pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. K-O-N-E, Lubbock. The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on 101.1. The Beer, starring News Channel 11's Pete Christie. Inside the Red Raiders publisher, Jarrett Johnson. The Beard Sports Director, Sean Dillon. And host of the Rockin' Pre-Game, Jeff Scott. All right, welcome to the uh, Rockin' Free, and this is the first one of the uh, the new year, 2022. Happy New Year, everybody. I guess it's still happy appropriate. A week into it, it's still appropriate, isn't it, to say Happy New Year? <laughs> I, is that okay? I believe you can until February. Okay, that's what I was thinking. That's you said thought. something about that. So I Didn't we say it last year, like, until June or something? <laughs> it's possible. Well, we did that just to tick off Pete, because Pete said... Oh, yeah, he hates it. I right. think in February, you got to stop. All right. Well, um, okay. Well, I, I'm going to stop after today. I'm just telling you. I think a weekend, I and that's, that's week. I won't. So, okay. uh, but uh, I'll go ahead and say it again now. Here for next week, Pete. Happy New Year. Okay. Well, thanks. See that we got out of the way. All right. That feels um, good. I'm going to wait till February. <laughs> <laughs> just for you, Pete. Well, we're uh, at our uh, new location for 2022. Uh, we're going to be at uh, a Buffalo Wild Wings location in Lubbock each week. And uh, we'll just be rotating around uh, to all of them. But today we're at the 19th Street location of Buffalo Wild Wings. So it's uh, just near Milwaukee. And, this is uh, awesome. Yeah, this, isn't this nice? This right? is this, great. This is, where, this is a great place to come when you're going to be talking sports, you know? It's the place. It, it feels like the perfect place to talk sports and eat. <laughs> eat, drink, talk sports. Is, is there anything? That's like, life I mean, right that, That's life, right? That that's, that's the guy life right there. Yeah, the only thing missing is uh, is a is a couch, I guess. But, I can't know. wait to throw some. Uh, I guess some of these chairs over here. You can some bones at y'all. After I house some wings, don't be that's throwing right. these bones around. I have a feeling you're you're a guy that really can house some. Wings. I house some wings. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Who yeah. doesn't house wings? Uh, that's a good point. I just think that if if we were gonna have like if we were to have a contest. Yeah. My money is on Jarrett. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. I, I'm not, so. Yeah, I don't do good on food contests. I'm Unless like it's bacon. bacon. Yeah, we do well, bacon. Yeah, but I did a bacon contest and didn't do good. So. Did you what? Didn't you, how much did you it eat? It was real thick, and, I mean, I got like 31 pieces down, but Whoa. I've eaten 100 Dang. normal pieces Dude, in that one is sitting, uh, and I'm alive to tell it. That is impressive. <laughs> Love bacon. That is a lot of And bacon. I love wings. I went, to, I went to school in Syracuse, so we, we always ate buffalo wings. Yeah, all yeah. right. So you know all about it. Even at 3 in the morning, that's the best. Is that really where they started, the buffalo? When Apparently, I don't know. Come on, Pete. Well, I mean, I'm not, I don't look into the history. I just eat them. You were kind of propping yourself up. Yeah, like, like a connoisseur. Like yeah. Yeah. I'm from Syracuse. And of course, we know wings. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I hate ranch. Really? But I love blue cheese. And I know ranch is blue cheese mixed up. Don't I hate the word ranch. Hate I'll, ranch. I'll do. Ranch? I'll do either I love one, blue man. cheese. I drink blue cheese. All right. Well, that's. Uh, I'd like to see that actually. I would. I don't okay. think. All right. Maybe before the day's you over. Drink blue cheese. Yeah, but it's not like drinking Tabasco sauce. I mean, blue cheese is a party in your mouth. Okay. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> the first revelation of 2022. Pete yeah. always says too much on here. Yeah. <laughs> just Pete's a little too none. much. Yeah, Pete, Pete just says you, always, you need to leave us wanting more, not less. So, um, well, coming up today on the Rockin' pregame, who's sticking around, who's visiting, and the potential for the Red Raiders. And also Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter are going to be bringing in the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Bowl. 
Uh, we've got some predictions for the college football championship, and we'll do some rocket research with our friend Brian Haney from Kansas. And uh, let's see, some Red Raider basketball. We've got to talk about that. And uh, we'll have a full court press, uh, three questions, no hedging, that whole thing. Uh, that's coming up uh, at the end of the show. But first, it is time to get the temperature of the Red Raiders. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Free Game. Let's get going with the Rockin' Reality Check. All right. There you go, Rockin' Reality Check. Pete, Mr. Blue Cheese, why don't you, uh, that'd be Queso Azul, I believe. Well, wow. I, you know, I, you. I, I, I'm you. still uh, enjoying the bowl win. Okay. I mean, that thing's going to resonate for quite a while. I mean, I'm, I'm just so proud of those guys getting it done. But uh, with that said, I'm really in the basketball now. And you know what? They say there's strength in numbers, but there's also strength in just guys buying in and uh, just having seven guys. I mean, Tech almost beat Iowa State, and they should have. I mean, they really battled back. They were up too late. Uh, so I know we're going to be talking about that in the show. And then later we'll talk about the Lady Raiders. I was blown away. They went into Austin and whipped Texas, whipped them. And uh, first win there since 2013. First time they beat a top 10 team because Texas is number nine since 2011. So that's 11 years ago now that it's 2022. And then we'll talk later about the halftime skirmish, or I guess the beginning of the second half between Krista Gerlich and Texas's coach uh, and, and why there was some profanity thrown around and what both said afterwards. I'll tell you all about it a little bit later. People said, hey, why didn't you talk about it on TV? It's not a two-minute deal. I mean, you need something like this to explain what happened. Yeah, I, wanna, I really want to know because I saw Coach Gerlich's statement about it. Right. But I, I, didn't, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to see the game or anything, so I heard just bits and pieces, but I heard a response to it. So I, I'd love to hear kind of the backstory, what led up to all that. So you got that coming up there. That we do when we all talk right. Lady Raiders. All right. That sounds good. All yeah, right. I'm liking Gerlich. Yeah. Not only kicked her butts on the court, but she wants to, like, physically kick her, the coach's butt. I like that. Yeah, she, Cage yeah, masses, get it. That's well, right. that's the signature up, win. And then if you if you saw the locker room reaction, I mean, they dumped yeah. the Gatorade on her in the locker room. She was drenched. It was awesome. And hopefully they can do more of that. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time they had all players on deck. And uh, I, I was blown away what they did. So hopefully there's more to come. Yeah, no, it's so yeah. excitement back with the Lady yeah. Raiders again. Yes. Finally, that's uh, that's a good thing. All right, uh, rock and reality check for you, Jared. Yeah, mine's two prongs, so hang with me on this. But, uh, you know, you talked about the bowl game win. You know, Tech only having seven basketball players to play at Iowa State. Uh, you know, Coach McGuire's recruiting. It's all what the fill in the blank for me. Like, right. what is going on? You know, I would say heck. Uh, all these things are kind of blowing my mind. I, 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 on this show, I predicted a two-touchdown loss for the football team. What they do, they go out and kick their butts, yeah. Mississippi State's butts, and they do it with their defense. Yeah, on you know, offense as well, special teams play good. But the defense shutting down Mike Leach's offense, the way they did, you know, uh, what the heck? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I was thinking about that. Obviously, you know, I, I use colorful language when I'm not on the air and, you know, when I'm not around my son, of course. And I started thinking about that. I had a friend who said uh, in the same vein, say, fiddlesticks. Yeah. 
I said, fiddlesticks? What is that? And she explained to me it's something her grandfather used to say to not swear. So I started thinking about us. I was going to ask you all off the air. I told you all. But I wanted us to know I'm going to talk about this on, on the air. Because we have, we're all Texans here. We've all been in Texas a long time. But we have the East Coast represented with Pete growing up. We have New Mexico with Jeff. Yeah. Sean is from Ohio. You know, I'm Texan. So it's all represented. And like my, my football coaches used to say stinking. Stinking, get to the ball, man, instead of cussing. Right, right. You know, so that became a thing. Like, I'll see my old buddies from high school, and we're like, stinking this, stinking that. So I started thinking, what do y'all say? When, you, when, you, when you're on the air, or when you're trying not to use colorful language, Pete, what, what, what do you say? You know, I don't know. Fiddlesticks? No. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Conan made up a, 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 do you remember this? He made up a new word, so you wouldn't say the F word. So I started saying that since I saw that years ago. What Crunk. Is- Oh. Get the crunk out of here. Okay. Oh, crunk. Did he make that crunk up? Crunk's but up. no, because then that became a rap term. But he had, I mean, yeah. But I'm just saying that's what he did a little segment, and I always remembered that. So, and that's what I would say. We're getting crunk up here in Buffalo Wild Wings, right? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, this is a dangerous segment here. I got to start thinking. No, but I would, I would like to say, like, instead of stinking, I mean, I'm like, uh, oh, that's freaking awesome. I mean, you know, that was probably, <laughs> freaking, yeah. that, that's probably, that's probably my. Uh-oh, best Sean's best. got one ready. He's got that look on his face. No, I just have the, uh, the. Ready just a little bit. Okay, yes, thank you. All right. Fudge, Fudge is mine. All right. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you, you try to try to clean things up, and yeah, certainly on the, uh, certainly on the air. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's times, though, it can, it can be very difficult. Like, uh, one time I, I had some coffee and something. I was on the air, and, oh. I, and I, I was, I don't even know what I did. I just awkwardly moved. I, something happened, and, and I just ended up slinging coffee all over the control board. Oh, and I'm actually on the air talking, doing something, wow. and and I was, the, I mean, it, it almost came out with you know, oh, you know, and I caught myself, but it was very close. Earlier this year, on this season, when we were across from the Jones and the wind was blowing, it blew, it blew one of my drinks all over the controls That's too. That's right. Yeah, I came very close to a string of colorful. Yeah, you you gotta words. you gotta you gotta be careful. But having a go-to substitute word there is good. I don't think I've ever said. Fiddlesticks, though. Yeah, I know. But I've heard of that. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. But I've just never said, oh, fiddlesticks. I, it's just not one, that's not <laughs> no. one in my arsenal, I guess. But uh, but I am familiar with it. But, uh, yeah, it's, I guess it's easier just to throw out the what's, real word. What's an East Coast yeah. term? Man, I don't know. Crud? <laughs> yeah, oh, yep. crud. Yeah, I guess that's probably, that's kind of, you know, that's <laughs> somewhat universal, I guess. Well, anyway, that's a, it's a interesting thing to bring up, though. Um, well, as long as we don't actually say the colorful words, that's right. Yeah, we, yeah. As long as we uh, keep that off the off the air and we're able to complete our broadcast with deployment, then uh, you right. know that that would be uh, certainly a good thing. So, all right, uh, yeah. Rock and reality check. Just wrapping it up there. It's uh, just you know, I'm, I'm kind of kind of what you're saying too. I was you know because I predicted Mississippi State was going to win. And I was shocked Tech won, and the way they won it, and uh, that was uh, that was great. And then. The basketball team, I was like, oh, seven guys, that, man, no way. Yeah. And then they go and they almost win it. And then late Raiders going down to, to yeah, Austin, you're like, yeah, well, you know, maybe they can play tough. And they, they win. They didn't even, it wasn't like a fluke win. They, they beat them handily. And I'm like, well, yeah, what? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> what, what the, yeah, what's going on? And on Horizon Tech Baseball. Yeah, right. Which is exciting. Yeah, so there's going to be, I'm sure, more moments there with that. So it's uh. It's an interesting time, and the year is off to a, 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 you know, pretty interesting, optimistic start, actually. So for a for a rock and reality check, all things considered, 
this may be the most uh, consensus of positivity <laughs> wow, that, that, like that, we've, that we've ever uh, that we've ever walked into. Probably. End the segment so, now. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, all right. Well, uh, coming up here, uh, it's time to check some inside the Red Raiders recruiting, starting with football. Uh, you know, it's just always nice to kind of update who's who's still going to be sticking around. Who or is there anybody leaving? Any guys coming in? You know that we're adding. So there's a lot going on. And I tell you, when you follow. Uh, tech and you know Joey McGuire on Twitter. There's so much oh, activity that it it's hard, it's almost overwhelming to keep up with because you know they're just offering guys. There's, I mean, it's just it's crazy. And and even though I try to keep up with it in that manner, it's sometimes it's like drinking from a fire hose, you know. So that's why a guy like Jarrett, that's your profession, and you do that not not drinking from a fire hose, but following recruiting. And uh, it's always nice to get that update every week. So we got that coming up next for you here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame. Live from Buffalo Wild Wings on 101.1. This is Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1. The Beer. Sponsored by Fortenberry Roofing, Wiley Implements, and Hub City Body Shop. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting update. All right, yeah, always nice to get that uh, recruiting uh, update because there's so much going on with, gosh, football and basketball right now, and there's offers going out all over the place and guys visiting. I mean, it's a very exciting time for Texas Tech, and uh, we're. Uh, and I'd like to mention once again, we're you can come by here and join us. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings, 19th near Milwaukee. It's uh, for 2022, we're going to be hanging out at Buffalo Wild Wings every Friday and rotating through all the different locations around Lubbock here, but uh, starting off this 19th. So come out, get you some wings, and knock off work early. It's Friday, and let's face it, you know, you, you've worked very hard this week already. I mean, it's uh, some it's people. Miller time. Right, it is. It's something. <laughs> yeah, Bud Light time, excuse yeah, me. It's, Bud, it's, it's time. Yeah, pick, 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 your, uh, pick your poison. But uh, come by, hang out with us here. All right, so, Jarrett. Um, I'd mentioned you know, I'm following along on Twitter all the time. Like most people, you know, you're always following Joey McGuire and you're Man. seeing all this stuff and offers all over the place. And I, I got to tell you, it, it gets overwhelming trying to figure out, you know, like, and, and you throw in the transfer portal. Then you got, oh, well, man. We, do we got any guys coming or going or we got any, uh, you know, visitors this week? I mean, there's a million things going on with uh, recruiting. So, man, I'll throw it to you. Just uh, school us here. Well, I think the first thing is they have to recruit the roster that's already here. You know, the guys that they want to return and remain. Yeah. And, you know, recently three guys announced they were returning. I, I'm expecting more, you know, any day, maybe even today. But uh, these guys were headline guys. Marquise Waters, safety who got hurt. He was your starting safety. He was, uh, you know, basically like an ACC guy before he got here. I mean, all of us who saw him in spring and fall camp knew he was going to be one of the best players on the team. He got a big pick six, I think, against Florida International, which – they were kind of looking pretty sloppy before that, and then yeah. Tech ran away after that. And But, you know, he got hurt. He missed most of the season, so he got a medical redshirt. He's coming back. The guy's like, I don't know. He's like 26 or something. Like, I don't know how old he really is. He's a grown he, man. He is he's like literally a grown man. Yeah. Uh, but and he was a leader. He was the kind of guy that, you know, he was always instructing the young guys. He was hanging out. Uh, he'd hang out with the coaches. He'd come up and talk to the media. He even always had something to say, yeah. you know, to somebody. It was just that kind of leader. Uh, not just on the defense, but the whole team. So getting him back is huge. Uh, Christian Merriweather, I mean, look, Tech lost, let's face it, almost their entire linebacking core, you know, other than Christian. They're starting mm-hmm. starting guys, you know what I mean? Colin Schooler is really hard to replace. Right. I mean, you just go down the list of those guys. Rico Jeffers, that's tough. But Christian Merriweather coming back, 
gives you that guy. You know, you know, he could come up and, and thump people. And, the, mm-hmm. and that's something Coach McGuire said they're going to do. They're going to be physical. So to have that guy coming back is, is huge. And then Adrian Fry, who is one of the more curious football players uh, in terms of his career at, at Tech. You know, he had that uh, freshman All-American season at corner. Right. They moved him to safety, and it was just a disaster. Right. And then uh, here recently he hasn't seen the field a lot. But he's emerged as the primary punt returner, and I think he's been the best that's not saying just a whole lot because the punt return game hasn't been great, but he has shown some some flashes of you know having that ability to be a good returner. And then he even had a, at least one, if not two, big pass deflections in that Mississippi, Mississippi State game, which got them off the field. So he adds depth. He knows the culture here. He's going to help you on special teams. Those are three huge, I don't want to say additions, but guys that are staying, you know, that if you lost them, ugh, you're thinking that's, you know, three different le- or two levels of your of your defense where you're like, I you're, you have more questions about if they're not here. Right, yeah. You know, Dawson Deaton leaving, that was a foregone conclusion. I mean, I think you were lucky to get him back for another year, you know. Um, and then, uh, of course, EZ, same thing. We all knew that he was going to the league, and right. I expect him to be a high draft pick. I think it's just, you know, <clears throat> how high does he go? I think that's where we're at with uh, EZ. So those are the main early ones in terms of guys staying and guys leaving. And uh, then you start saying, okay, he's, there's guys leaving, but, who are they bringing in? And we already know about the – we've talked a lot about the high school class, but we haven't talked about the transfers a lot. So I definitely wanted to devote, you know, some time to them. And, I, you know, I, let's start at center. I think Cade Briggs, who you're bringing in from New Mexico, is going to be your starting center to replace Dawson Deaton. And I like him. He's a good player. He had a lot of options, and he chose Tech. Uh, that was a, a huge addition. Dimitri Moore, we just talked about linebacker. Um, that, you know, you're losing a lot of guys. You're losing Schooler. You're losing Jeffers. You're losing Morgan Stern. You're losing a lot. And uh, Demetri Moore, 6'3", 235. He played for Coach McGuire at Cedar Hill as a senior, won a state championship way back in the day. He went to Vanderbilt and was a freshman All-American there, a freshman All-SEC player there. And uh, saying I, something to be oh, yeah. a freshman All-SEC. Uh, yeah, he tallied over 200 tackles in his time at Vanderbilt. You know, mm-hmm. So he played, in, 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 you know, then he went on and played smaller college ball uh, at Missouri State. But now he's here at, at Tech. And... Uh, I, he's going to start. I mean, I really expect him to play play a lot. Um, and then you added some. Uh, well, you added a safety, Tyler Owens, who was a four-star guy, known as a freak athlete. He played in uh, over 20 games at Texas, mostly on special teams. Texas, boy, if anything, they they recruit DBs well. Yeah. That's just what they do, and they put them in the league. So that's that's tough to get on the field at Texas. So I, I know some people say, well, why is he transferring? Why didn't he play more at Texas? Well. That's why. <laughs> they have a lot of DBs. So I really like him. I know Coach McGuire. He's told me uh, at least a couple of times how excited he is uh, about Tyler Owens coming coming over. Then, then they got a couple of receivers. Another one from Texas, Joshua Moore, another former four-star guy. He actually, I think he was their leading receiver in 2020. Uh, and then last year there were some you know, kind of off-field problems. It's one of those depend on who you ask on, on some of these things. Mm-hmm. But if Coach, Coach McGuire knows him, has a good relationship with him, Obviously, his coaches, like everybody else in the state, uh, if if he feels good enough to bring him in, I feel good about him. I right. really do. I, right. He deserves that benefit of the doubt until proven wrong. You know. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and then Brady Boyd coming over from Minnesota. He was a former South Lake Carroll guy, and McGuire said he ran a sub four four. That got my attention, especially when you watch his film because he makes his huddle film from his senior year at South Lake. He makes all these one handed high point catches in traffic against top competition. I'm like, all right, they may have somebody in this guy. So those five guys fill a lot of needs. I know we like a lot of the receivers here, but they need more guys. They need these veteran guys to come in and help 
what uh, you know Coach Zach Kidley wants to do. Right. I, are they going to use tight ends? I think they will. I really do. But at the same point, same time, we all know in an air raid type offense, you need a ton of receivers. Right. So they're they're recruiting receivers. They're bringing these veteran guys in, uh, you know, as transfers, and it makes a lot of sense to me. I like these guys. Yeah, and, and like you know, you mentioned losing Easy, but you know also Kalen Geiger. Uh, is also yeah he was good he, he, he turned out to be really yeah he was much better than what I was what I was expecting but uh, this is I know we're talking recruiting stuff but you bring up the tight ends and I'm just wondering with you know like a guy like Mason Tharp who looks like mm-hmm. he's just got such a, an amazing upside in Zach Kittley's offense you know may not <clears throat> traditionally use, heavy use of the tight end how do, how does he use a guy like Mason Tharp you think yeah well we ran those uh, that interview that I had with Coach McGuire and I asked him specifically about you know complimentary football and will mm-hmm. Kitley be able to run the football and use different formations not just five wide or four you know and he said look I asked coach Kitley I said you know I don't want to make you something you're not are you comfortable running you know 11 personnel 12 personnel that kind of stuff and he said absolutely coach if I have the players if we have like say a guy like Mason Tharp yeah. we're going to use them you yeah. know and uh you know we've seen tight ends do good things. Jason Morrow in, right. in Coach Kingsbury. I mean, he was basically a slot receiver, but right, he was an right. all-American tight end as right. a slot receiver. So it, you definitely can do use a big target even in the air raid. But, no, they're going to go heavy sometimes with with yeah. one or two tight ends. And just to be able to do that is just mo- more ammo for the arsenal, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's a good question. And, that, like I said, that was one of my main questions because I just saw it as he – yeah, they want to run heavy power power run football, but man, when you got a guy like Kitley, who I mean, he's winning every award as yeah. the best you know, offensive coach out there, you know, mm-hmm. assistant coach out there. He won uh, what Pro Football Focus's top quarterbacks coach. He won twenty four seven Sports top coordinator uh, in the country. You know, wow. so uh, you know, when you have a guy like that, you have a chance to get somebody who is not only that good but wants to be here. Right. You get him, you know, yeah. and you oh, make yeah. it work. Which yeah. is another reason why. I think Joey McGuire is the right guy for Texas Tech. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. All right. Uh, any any other football stuff? Or, uh... You know, I want to switch to basketball because just because with the time we have, Jalen Tyson is somebody that if you're uh, you know if you follow Texas Tech basketball recruiting, you're you're familiar with him. He you know he signed, he committed and signed was a long time commit uh, with Texas Tech when Chris Beard was here. When he left, he ended up going with him to Texas. Now he's in the transfer portal already. Coach Beard has a, let's be honest, he has an established history of running off top shelf, top shelf talent, and that's what Jalen Tyson is. He was a top 40 player, four-star guy, 6'6 forward. He, he's a three-level scorer, meaning he's a like elite shooter, which Tech needs that. Let's, right. you know, can you imagine what an elite shooter would do for this team right now? You know, A <laughs> knockdown shooter, it. but he also can get to the hoop. He has a pull-up game. Uh, he finishes with authority. He dunks on people um, on the regular. He is a guy you could plug in and, and play a lot and, and really give you that skill that you're missing. you got the defense. you got those tough-nosed guys. You have a lot of size. You just don't have those skilled shooters right now right. Um, filling it up for you. If you did, it takes your team to another level. So he, he visited here recently. He visited Colorado just, I think, yesterday, yesterday or today. Um, his brother... Uh, plays there. I think he plays football, actually, uh, at Colorado. But I'm feeling pretty good that he's going to end up a Red Raider. I really I think we, by the next show we'll be talking about him committing to Tech. Now, he won't be available to play until next season. Okay. But, but uh, hey, that's uh, great. That's you know, still yeah. awesome news, yeah. Right. And then there's a, there's a big guy, high school big guy. Yeah, Johan Treor, five-star center. Man, Tech has been recruiting him, seems like, forever. 
uh, and so is a lot of other schools. But Tech is in his final group. He's already said he's not going to go because he could go pro. He could go to the G League <clears throat> and make you know significant money. But he wants to go play college for a year. Um, I think the word is he's waiting on an offer for Kentucky. They're recruiting him, but they haven't offered. So it's being drawn out. But, you know, Tech's been there recruiting him. He's visited. He's taken an official visit here. He's visited. Uh, I think he visited for a regular uh, non-conference game earlier this season. Uh, he likes Tech. I think if he doesn't wait on Kentucky or if Kentucky doesn't come through the offer, I think he ends up signing with Tech. And, man, what a class with Pop Isaacs and Lamar Washington and, if Jalen Tyson joins, Johan yeah. Treor, I mean, it's on par with anything Beard did if, if you actually make all that happen. Five-star right. big man? I mean, come on. That yeah. doesn't happen a lot. Right. You know? Yeah. Those tech, guys man. are uh, unicorns, you know? Yeah. I mean, so there's just not a lot of them out there. Yeah. So, and he's very skilled, and he'd be the rim protector. Him and, him and Bacho, think about that. Right. All of a sudden, you have, like, one of the top uh, combo big men in, in the Big 12, you know, the yeah. best conference in America. So. It's pretty exciting. What they're doing in basketball is exciting, but it's they got to finish. They got to close. You know, right. they got to earn that coffee. So uh, we'll talk some more uh, basketball uh, and, and address uh, exactly the kind of thing you're talking about there. But uh, coming up next year on the Rockin' pregame, it's time to unveil this week's Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. We'll be joined as always uh, with uh, like uh, Eric Haselman, Michael Hunter, two of the uh, you know these guys eat, drink, sleep. Dream. I mean, I don't know if anybody watches more college basketball than these guys. So uh, as now that we're, you know, we're into January before long, it's going to be fill out your bracket time. You know, so uh, this is it's always a good time to start listening to these guys and really get some insight on the teams from around the country. Uh, it's really interesting stuff. So that is coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame. On 101.1, The Beard. Sponsored by Mitch Hall Chevrolet, Chrome, and Hook and Reel. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll on the Rockin' Pregame. All right, it's our college basketball rocketologist from the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll. We're joined by our friends, analytics consultant from Haslametrics.com, Eric Haslam, also owner editor and founder of the ACC Basketball Report, Michael Hunter. So uh, the Pac-12 seems to be canceling games left and right. Will this hurt them come Selection Sunday time? You know, I think <laughs> it's not, it's not going to hurt the top of the conference because I think USC, Arizona, UCLA are pretty much locked for the dance. I think what it could do is impact some of the, the mid-tier teams from getting impactful wins for their resume to move on to the NCAA tournament, which overall could impact the, the conference monetarily for you know teams appearances in the ncaa tournament moving on to different rounds as we know there's a tiered system for which teams and programs get paid as a conference as teams within that conference win tournament games so in the long run yes it could hurt the pac-12 if conference only gets three or maybe four teams in if oregon gets their stuff together then yes but you know when you're denying teams like stanford and a bit an opportunity or colorado even to get uh, big-time wins against those top three teams. I think it hurts them more monetarily in the long run than it's going to hurt this season. I think ultimately teams like Arizona, USC, and UCLA are going to get in, and those are the, probably the three most dangerous teams in the conference. Echo what Michael said. I think sometimes the, the committee will look at that first column, the quadrant one column, and then look at the first digit in that quadrant one column, which is the wins in quadrant one. 
And, you know, I think every game that you miss in that situation, you're missing an opportunity for a quadrant one win, which is going to be a big, impactful thing. And I think looking at a couple teams last year, I can cite a couple of examples of teams that didn't play their full slate of games because of COVID. I think of St. Bonaventure. I think of UConn. Those were two teams last year that I thought were much better from a performance ranking standpoint than what the committee gave them credit for. I think it cost them in the long run. So I don't think the, the cutback on the number of games that we saw last year is going to be quite the same as this year. I think you're seeing a few cancellations. It's nothing like what we saw last season. So I don't think the impact is going to be that much. But absolutely, if you're sacrificing opportunities for those quadrant one wins, you're definitely, if you're going to be on the bubble, if you get those games and you get those wins, all of a sudden you're falling off the bubble on Selection Sunday. Well, let's release the Rockin' 25. Baylor gets all the number one votes. Duke is up to number two. Gonzaga is three. Purdue falls to four, Arizona back up to five. Michael, Baylor seems to be firing on all cylinders. Where might be their first stumble? You know, I'm not 100% sure that one's going to come, to be perfectly honest. I'd like to get Eric's thoughts on the game from, from last weekend when, when they played Iowa State in Ames. You know, Iowa State never really backed down, and Baylor just kind of imposed their will upon the Cyclones and wore them down, played their game, ran their stuff. And they really, they still look like the Baylor team that won the championship last year, despite all the losses from their roster. If I had to pick a game, I would say it's probably going to be January 29th when the Bears head to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. I'm a huge Bama fan this year. Um, that may turn out to be the game of the year um, of all the season, of, of the entire season in college basketball. If Alabama has it together at home, that's a game I'm gonna, absolutely going to be tuned in for. Two very good defensive teams. I'm pretty psyched for that game coming up later this month. The Iowa State game, I, I think that proved that Iowa State belonged. And it's the fact that they hung with Baylor and then ended up beating Texas Tech. But, yeah, I mean, Baylor, it, the game ended up just as we thought it would. When we give an efficiency score based on the result, I think the score was like a plus, you know, .68 or something like that for, for Iowa State, which means the game's result was very close to what the expectation was. And so for Baylor to take those punches and to continue to fight through and win all these games, yes, that's indicative of a very elite team. They're number four in offensive efficiency. They're number seven in defensive efficiency. There aren't many teams out there that are top uh, 15 or even even you know further than that, top 10 in both of those efficiencies. I think there's just way too much talent in the Big 12 for them to be unscathed. But, you know, at 14-0, at and 0, they're obviously, right now, in my opinion, the best team in the country. They will probably drop a game or two, but, you know, nobody ever saw Baylor start the, the season 14-0. So kudos to them for doing that. Yeah, and just, you know, a quick note, if they don't, if they find a way to escape Tuscaloosa without getting a loss, or, or with a victory, I should say, you know, they follow that up the following Saturday with a trip to Kansas. So that could absolutely be their first loss of the season if Alabama's not. And uh, one thing that Erica spoke about this season is Isaiah Brockington of Iowa State. The way that he played in that game against Baylor and the, the way that Baylor plays defense absolutely solidifies him as one of the absolute stars of college basketball this season. 6 through 10 of the Rockin' 25 has Kansas at 6, UCLA, Auburn at 8, USC. In health and safety protocols at 9, and Michigan State at 10. Eric, the analytics are riding high with Auburn. With the exception of their double overtime loss versus UConn, they're playing well. What are the challenges coming for Auburn? It really is hard to find a weakness for our number two team, which is number 18 in offensive efficiency and number five in defensive efficiency. They're 
They're ninth in the country right now in our momentum metric, 13-1 and one on the year. They've already equaled their win total from all of last season. Alan Flanagan returning is a big plus, averaged 14-6 last year for them. He had Achilles surgery back in late summer. He just came back in late December. Um, they are still slowly working him back into the mix. I think for Auburn, the challenge is going to be their next two games. You get Florida at home. That's to a lesser degree. And then more so the Alabama game next Tuesday. Um, those teams are going to present some some immediate challenges for Auburn. I think for, looking at Florida first, they're number 33 in the country for me. They really thrive on making easy scoring opportunities for themselves. Um, they're top eight in the country in in all three categories, these easy scoring uh, categories, poten- potential points off of steals, potential points off of second chances, and second chance conversion percentage. Those are opportunities where you're getting quick points off turnovers, you're getting quick points off of offensive rebounds. That's where the Gators really excel. Auburn is really going to have to focus on protecting the ball and cleaning the defensive glass in that particular game. Alabama is going to be an even tougher opponent. They're ranked number 14 for me right now, and that is a road game for Auburn. Um, Alabama's got wins against Florida, Tennessee, Gonzaga. It's a team that really runs in transition, succeeds getting chances at the rim, converting those chances. They're 35th in near proximity attempt rates. 16th in the country in near proximity percentage. Auburn is is going to have to stop the ball and eliminate Alabama's chances up close. Something which, in luckily, Auburn has really excelled at. They're number one in the country in defensive near proximity percentage. Walker Kessler has had 22 blocks in the last three games. He had 11 alone in the in the win over LSU. But after that, you know, you got Florida, you got Alabama. But after that, you look at the schedule, and it doesn't size up to me as being all that daunting for Auburn. Um, it really kind of works in their favor. What do you got? You got Ole Miss. You got Georgia, who's who's really bad. Kentucky's going to be tough on, on January 22nd. And then you got Missouri after that, who's just atrocious. Even after that, they never really do face a murderer's row of three straight elite teams in the ACC or anything like that. You just have to wonder if there is going to be some sort of regression to the norm. They're number number two in the analytics right now. And most people had them nowhere near number two in the preseason. They're number nine in momentum, meaning they're playing their very best basketball right now. But, you know, maybe some kind of correction is still forthcoming. We just haven't seen it yet at this point. Yeah, that Alabama game on the road makes the Florida game a huge trap game for Auburn, in my opinion. Auburn already does not shoot the basketball well from the outside, and Florida is one of the best teams in the nation at defending the three-point line. So I think Auburn may have their hands surprisingly full at home against Florida on Saturday. Well, exclusive to the Rockin' pregame, it is the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our Rocketologist Eric Hasselman, Michael Hunter. The middle of the Rockin' 25 has Ohio State at 11, Houston at 12, Iowa State hanging on in Ames at 13, Alabama rolls in at 14 this week, and Will Wade and LSU are at 15. So, Michael, how is Houston hanging around with half their team in the MASH unit? Yeah, the loss of Marcus Sasser for the season is a huge loss if not for his scoring but just for his continuity on the court he's been there for what seems like forever he's an extension of calvis samson on the court he's the leader of this team especially in the backcourt you know sass's efficiency numbers also up this season points steals assists are all career highs without an uptick in minutes so he's found a way to play the same amount of minutes increase his efficiency and become more of a factor on the court without requiring you know, more minutes on the court. So, you know, he, he was kind of taking the next step. Houston is worse without him, but you wouldn't know by what the product is that they've currently put on the court. That said, Houston is incredible in three facets of the game this season. Effective field goal percentage, offensive rebounding, and steal percentage on defense. So, 
to break it down, they shoot the ball well. If they miss, they often receive second-chance opportunities, and they change floors by turning the ball, uh, turning their opponents over, turning defense into offense in live ball situations. So, I, you know, I'm not sure all of that changes when it comes to Sasser. You know, Josh Carlton, a transfer from UConn, has really stepped up in the front court along with Fabian White to form a, a formidable front. Uh, Kyler Edwards, transfer from your Texas Tech Red Raiders, has played well for them. You know, the one thing that does worry me about this team moving forward is their depth, and the American is certainly no cakewalk with Wichita State, Memphis, uh, and, and, and some other teams kind of middling at this point. So, uh, you know, Houston's probably going to drop a game here and there that you may not expect them to. But overall, I think they're going to be okay in the long run. Yeah, after losing Sasser and Tremont Mark for the year uh, in late December, they've had two games. Um, at my site, they've both got negative ratings. Granted, they're both road wins, one at Temple, one at USF. But you have to wonder a little bit if that's a harbinger of things to come. Well, 16 through 20 of the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. Kentucky is 16. Villanova comes in at 17. The Big 12 team in Austin is 18. Colorado State, 19. Tennessee, 20. Eric, why are the Rams of Colorado State the darlings of the Mountain West? And what's their 411? Well, as I've said before, when creating preseason rankings, people fall in love with two things. One is recency bias. That's, um, you know, Colorado State had a relatively successful 2021. The team was on the fringe of making the NCAA tournament. They ended up going to the semifinals in the NIT. And the other thing is returning talent, especially under, um, especially upperclassmen talent. And for Colorado State, you got seven of eight of their top scorers are juniors or seniors. From an objective standpoint, the, the Lytics didn't really have much faith in, in Colorado State before the season. We had them placed to close to 80th preseason based on their lackluster performance rankings last season. They were 20 and 8, but their efficiency margins were not particularly great. Also, prestige gets baked in, and the, and the Rams have not been rated in our top 100 in any of the last three full seasons. But to Colorado's credit, they have delivered this year 11 and 0 out of the gates. They have the fifth best record quality in the country. They're top 30 in my rankings. 15th in offensive efficiency. That comes from great shooting. They're top six nationally in both uh, adjusted free throw percentage and adjusted three-point percentage rating. John Tanjay, Deshaun Thomas, both shooting over 50% from three. David Roddy, who is the, the, the fulcrum of that team, averaging 20 and eight. He's shooting 43% from three-point range. That is really tough to stop. Um, you know, I think the potential Achilles heel maybe for Colorado State is going to be defense. Colorado State has never had a top 100 defense since I started Haslam metrics back in 2014 and as of today they're just outside that top 100 they give up a ton of perimeter shots should they face a team that excels shooting the three that strategy could very much backfire so the other thing I want to mention is the the MWC the Mountain West is sneaky good five teams right now are in my top 60 and that's not even counting San Diego State who is usually well above that level there are so many quietly dangerous and competitive teams in that conference Boise State, Utah State, Fresno State is a much improved team from last year. Wyoming can be tough. Nevada still has potential. But so I, I just think there are so many competitive teams out there that it's hard to see Colorado State coming out of that fray without a few Knicks. Yeah, I got to see Colorado State for the first time in, in a while this season. I didn't know who David Roddy was. I'm not a, a, a West Coast guy. This guy is an absolute stud. If you have not seen him play, absolutely tune in. And if you're a betting man, one thing you want to pay attention to as far as this Colorado State team goes is they make their free throws. 81% as a team, typically that's going to result in them at least covering. Um, so David Roddy's worth tuning in for. Their free throw percentage is worth betting on. 
The final five of the Rockin' 25 has Wisconsin at 21, Providence at 22, Seton Hall at 23, Xavier at 24, and Illinois at 25. Michael, as conference play takes over, which teams will be the ones to watch as they either rise up or fall? You know, there's a couple that I have in this group specifically. You know, I love Johnny Davis of, of Eric's Wisconsin Badgers, who's getting a ton of publicity lately, maybe more than Eric may may uh, may like to like to see as it's, uh, the pride the pride becomes before the fall. But uh, you know, I think their their team on the rise. I also expect Xavier to turn it on if and when Zach Fremantle kind of finally finds his footing. He's yet to establish himself as the player he was last year uh, since his return this season from a foot injury. I, I'm not a huge believer in Providence thus far. I do love Nate Watson. It's hard to deny their overall body of work. That beating that they took the other night, I, I'm really hoping that's not indicative of things to come. I've been a Providence fan for a long time, kind of in the shadows as a Northeast guy. I've always hoped that the Friars do well. I love Ed Cooley and his coaching style. Uh, some others outside of this group that I'd keep an eye on are, are Virginia Tech in North Carolina, uh, obviously, as I'm an ACC guy. Virginia Tech, there's simply no excuse for the Hokies to be 0-3 in the ACC, having played NC State and Wake Forest. Duke was the other game. There's certainly no excuse for losing that game. Um, you know, North Carolina, everybody's talking about how they were the second-best team in the nation. You need to be able to go on the road at Notre Dame and get that win. Notre Dame is not great at protecting their home floor in the last four years, and North Carolina absolutely uh, put one down their leg last night or the other uh, in South Bend. Uh, Arkansas is another team I'm watching in the SEC. I've had them as high as 12 at one point this season. The Pac-12, I've got to watch Oregon. They're simply too talented to be this bad. In the Big Ten, Michigan's becoming awfully intriguing, awfully fast, as they just aren't the team that we all thought they were coming into the season. I'm also still watching Iowa State because despite their fight against Baylor, win against Texas Tech, I'm still not 100% sold, though I do love Isaiah Brockington. I'm a little bit late to that party. But Iowa State still needs to prove some stuff to me. But those are some of the teams I'm watching going forward. Yeah, and following up Michael's comments on Wisconsin, they're a little bit of a puzzlement to me. That win at Purdue is obviously very big. It's great on a resume, but you got to think about the three games that happened before that. An 18-point loss at Ohio State. They host Nichols at the Kohl Center. They win that game by three. They host Illinois State at the Kohl Center. They win that game only by four. So yeah, a very up-and-down team. Uh, Johnny Davis, unquestionably a, a, a superstar but, you know, long-term, how far can he really carry Wisconsin? That's the big question. All right. Other teams receiving votes on the Rocket 25 include just six teams, which I'm told is a record of some significance here. <laughs> so, uh, what, Sean, what, what is significant about only six teams receiving votes? Well, it just shows that the consensus in the Rocket 25 poll voters, you've got voters that are from all around the country. And they have their regional teams that, that they see and that they like. And after all these voters from all around the country looking, there's only about five or six teams that are getting votes. So it just shows that there's 31 really good teams, and then there's the rest of the... That uh, nobody seems to care about yeah. after that. Okay, there you go. Uh, those teams uh, receiving votes are Loyola Chicago, Oklahoma, San Francisco, Texas Tech... UConn and West Virginia. So we already had a bracket buster type of game yesterday as Loyola took care of San Francisco. Why are the bracket buster type of games so fun to watch? Well, I think you get a better sense of conference strength when you have these types of games. It can get kind of frustrating when everybody kind of retreats into their own conference corners. You know, teams and conferences are constantly improving and regressing throughout the entirety of the season. 
and it's hard to say how much teams are going to be uh, how much teams are either regressing or improving when they're all within their little conference bubbles once January arrives. I think that's part of the problem. Um, I think also teams can really use these wins on a resume come Selection Sunday. I think if mid-majors want to get past the power six, the mediocrity of the power six, in, in one word, cannibalize, eat each other. One team is going to win and one team is going to lose out, yes. But it's far better than playing nobody's along the way that results in the mid-majors both being left out in favor of, say, a team that's 18-11 from the Power Six. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on this program before. I mean, bring back bracket busters early in the season. I mean, it is, <laughs> it's one of the guilty pleasures of no, – it's not even a guilty pleasure. It's one of the greatest parts of college basketball. Everybody wants to complain that teams won't play them and, and, and things of that nature. When you're kind of a, a mid-major team that's very good, the guys in the Power Six won't comfort, won't schedule you because they don't want to take a bad or a quote-unquote bad loss at home. So I think what that equates to or what it should equate to is teams like Nevada and Utah playing each other or Cincinnati and Drake playing each other. You know, Utah State, all, you know, in the Midwest region, there's a ton of teams that maybe not able to schedule those Power Six games, that they just need to start playing each other. I don't ever want to see Duke host Elon ever again. In my life. <laughs> that game does nothing for me. It does nothing for anybody's resume. The only thing it does is basically pay for Elon's you know program throughout the year. So the, the bracket busters are great because most of those teams that participate in those games are evenly challenged and they get a sense of what they are as a program, where they are as a team, and you know builds confidence. Um, maybe, you know, gains a little confidence, gains a little momentum heading into conference play. I think bracket busters are fantastic for the game all around. I, I don't think there's any downside of it with the exception of the big-time schools paying for the small-time programs to keep them afloat. And speaking of that game yesterday, that was a great one between Loyola Chicago and, and San Francisco. I thought it really proved um, the, the analytics really bought in on how good Loyola Chicago is. They were number uh, they were in our top 15 for the last few weeks. They went out there and played a really good San Francisco team and came, came out with a win on that one. So I think that really validates how good Loyola Chicago is. They've only had two losses this year, a two-point loss to Michigan State and a single-digit loss to UConn. So really tough team, sleeper team. Sleeper team? That's a top 25 team. Nobody knows about No one's talking about them, though. I don't, they're, no, they're, they're, Maybe. They're, they're just receiving I, votes. They're receiving well, votes. I, right that, now. that may be true, but we, we live in different circles than casual fans, so that, that that's possible. Yes. True. Cameron Crutwig isn't there anymore either. That's true, yes. <laughs> it's the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our rocketologists Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter. Which team is the team to watch out for in the next week? I'm going to go with LSU <laughs> after a big emotional win, uh, you know, against Kentucky in what was a crazy ending to the game. They followed up this week with Tennessee at home, Florida on the road, and Arkansas at home. If they are somehow able to pull off all three games, I, I think that kind of flings them into the conversation for a two seed and, and maybe a one with a little bit of luck down the line. I mean, CC is so loaded this year with good teams that, if they're able to win a trio of games like that, for at least a week, they have to be the talk of the town. They have to be a top six or seven team, and and they're just they're riding high right now. I think that uh, their their all their sudden commitment to defense is one of the more polarizing things in all of college basketball this year. And uh, everybody seems to have let their Will Wade hate fade for huh. for the first you know. <laughs> 
four or five months. For me, I kind of want to see if things stabilize a little bit more for Memphis. I mean, you look at their last four games, you had that win against Alabama that was great. They win by 14. You're like, hey, there's the Memphis that we were supposed to see, and they follow that up with a one-point loss at number 132 lane. And then all of a sudden, the next thing, they go to Wichita State, who's a top 100 team, and they bury them by 18. And you're like, there's, there's the Memphis we all know and love, and they follow it up with a home game where they barely squeak by number 174 Tulsa by three points. So um, I'm still waiting to see. It's it's really such a, a, a drastic difference between the talent that they have and the results in the court. And I know a lot of people point that finger at Penny Hardaway. Um, time and time again, we're seeing the same thing. I just want to see at some point if all the pieces suddenly fall together and we start seeing that Memphis team play up to their ceiling that everybody thinks they can rise to. Yeah, it's all about offense for Memphis. I mean, they're, they're a defensive juggernaut pretty regularly, but their ability to put the ball in the basket is just really hot and cold. Well, where can people find your work? I have taken a bit of a hiatus on basketballarticles.com and noopsports.com, knupsports.com, because I have picked up a large uh, project for a well-known website that will remain nameless, but I will share them, those articles, on my Twitter account, at ACCBR1, over the next few weeks. And I have not picked up any projects whatsoever, so <laughs> therefore, you can find me, my ratings, my rankings, my projections, my bracketology over at Haslametrics.com. Otherwise, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm out there going hashtag analytically final at, at Haslametrics. Well, happy hoop year, guys. Our thanks to the Rocket 25 voters, Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter, for breaking down the analytics and the teams. The Rockin' 25 college basketball poll, always available at 101thebeard.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Have a great New Year. All right. Happy New Year to you guys as well. All right. Uh, man, we're hanging out here at Buffalo Wild Wings today, the 19th and Milwaukee location. We're going to be at a Buffalo Wild Wings location each Friday uh, this year for the Rockin' pregame. So you got to come out and... It's always a good time to knock off work early, and uh, if you need an excuse, just say, I worked hard this week. I deserve it. <laughs> I need some me time. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Is there anything yeah. wrong with that, Pete? No, you got to self-care, self-care, right? right. Self-care. You have to. You have, that's right. It's very important. It's good for everyone. Yeah. So, uh, Pete, you know about some self-care, right? You, well, of course. You know, but we also had off Christmas and we got off New Year's, but then you get back in, you're, you're drenched with work. You need to get out early on right. a Friday. That's just my thought. That's why I'm, I'm exhausted this yeah. week from, from <laughs> after the holidays and to get back and work. Please. So, yeah, come on by and uh, kick back with some wings and, and beer and hang out with us here on the uh, Rock and Pregame. All right, so uh, we're going to devote uh, a small amount of time coming up next year talking about the – what is kind of the SEC championship game again, uh, yeah. part two. Yeah. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, you know, playing in the uh, national championship game. We'll discuss if there's – is anybody really interested in this game outside <laughs> of Georgia and Alabama and uh, get some thoughts on that game. Coming up next year on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on 101.1 The Beard. K-O-N-E, Lubbock. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Pete's Tire and Service in Ropesville and South Plains College. All right, so we've got the uh, national championship game coming up Monday. It's Monday, right? Uh, You know, I've, I've been so uninterested in this game. I hadn't even really thought about it a whole lot until well, right now. Well, we were uninterested in the kind of going in the Tech Mississippi, Mississippi State game, and man, that was like yeah. all time great Bulls well, for in, Tech. So in this game, no doubt. I mean, it, it, it. I would think it's going to be an exciting game, right? You know, so just from a college football standpoint, but it just seems like, you know, 
it just feel like you just see Alabama yeah. and Georgia play all the time. And it's I just hate same conference matchups in the national championship game and it's just the way it works, you know. They I mean they won, they got there. But it just I, I just find myself having a hard time getting excited about watching yet another Alabama Georgia contest here. So am I the only way I, I mean, no no, I completely agree. Uh, and I think a lot of people agree with you. And Really, to me, once the Final Four were set, was set, the only way the national championship game was going to be like really enticing to me was if Cincinnati knocked off Alabama in the semifinal. Which, yeah. after watching that, I watched that game and Cincinnati didn't just get beat; they got beat up. Yeah, I did. mean, you could see like almost every player. Once there was a big collision, the Alabama guy guy was jumping up and you know going back to the huddle, and the Cincinnati guy was literally rubbing their wounds. You know, yeah. I, so uh, you know it wasn't going to happen. Even though I picked Cincinnati in <laughs> our picks. Uh, but this Alabama-Georgia, I mean, there's an inequity in college football that we don't see really in any other sport. We don't see it in any of the pro sports. College basketball, really, that's the whole thing, is that you can make a Cinderella run, a George yeah. Mason, a Texas Tech can make a run in the national championship game. I mean, what are the chances Texas Tech would be in the playoffs this year? I mean, slim to none, right? right. In football. So that's just the way it's set up, and I don't know – I don't really see it changing. I think if they went to a bigger playoff format, I don't mean just eight. I mean, it's got to be double digits. It's got to be at least 12, where there is a chance for somebody to make a Cinderella run. And then we see the effects of that in recruiting. Because until that starts happening, the changes in recruiting to where they're sharing the wealth a little bit more, then this is what we're going to see. We're going to see one or two SEC schools in the national championship Basically every year. Every year, yeah. And it's boring. Yeah, it's like Alabama could, you know, you think sometimes like they retire a, a trophy after so many years or something. Can huh. you just retire Alabama for a while? It's like, well, like we when acknowledge. Nick's, when you know, Saban retires, they'll have to make a hire, you know, and yeah, we'll see if they Yeah, you know. well, how big a hire is that going to be? How would you like to be the guy that has to follow Nick Saban? Nope. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although you, you will be, be inheriting guy. a lot of talent. Oh, you know? certainly. But, man, that would be uh, that would be a tough gig right there, I would think. But. Uh, but yeah, it's just uh, hats off to Alabama. I mean, Saban's built an, an amazing program, and yeah. then they're a juggernaut, and they're the favorite every single year. But man, I just get tired of seeing that. Yeah. The, the Georgia-Michigan game. I got four texts about that game. None of them were about the game. Each person sent me a screenshot of Alan Bowman on the sideline for Michigan. <laughs> hey, is this Bowman? Is he at Michigan? Nobody was talking to the game about the game to me. I mean, Georgia killed him, but uh, I thought it was funny. People were watching the game, and then they had to rewind and take a photo of Bowman and, and let me know that he's there on the sideline. He was their third-string quarterback, right? Yeah. He was. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know when when you look, you see that it's always the the national narrative all the time is how you know the SEC is just so incredible, and you see you have, you have Alabama and Georgia playing, and yes, you go, oh wow, the SEC is so dominant. But if you if you Take out Alabama and Georgia out of the right. conversation. How much different is the SEC from top to bottom? Not counting those two teams, then the any the other conference. The you know? Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, you see that kind then of stuff. Then you start you know? getting into discussion. How much is want to a part of the results of these bowl games? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I, I don't want. I'm not making excuses. They, you know, the records are what they are. But at the same time, I mean, bowl, the bowl season is just weird, and it's weirder than ever. It's always been weird. Every other, even the other classifications in college football, uh, they have playoff systems. Right. You yeah. know? I mean, you have, it's, it's settled. Which you shows like it can be done. Right. It can be done. You know? Yeah. I mean, the NCAA tournament is one of the great sporting events in the world, right. really. You know? So, this, you just have a collection of games. 
and then this little small playoff bubble. It's just weird. I always hate, though, when the SEC teams lose, it's because it they didn't, didn't care. They didn't oh, care, yeah. You know? yeah if they win, they're celebrating like anybody else. Yeah, but the SEC schools only play eight conference games. They always got that November cupcake where while everyone else is playing, you know, Texas is playing Oklahoma or Texas Tech is, is, oh, yeah. is, is playing Oklahoma right. State. They're playing a tough interconference game. They're playing like Elon or Massachusetts. And if you want to go further down that rabbit hole, I mean, ESPN really spoke SEC's dominance into existence because when that when everything really started happening, the Big 12 South division was the best division of football. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, Oklahoma and Texas rolling, you had Oklahoma State rising, you had Tech. I mean, where they were winning eight to ten, you know, eight to nine games a year, and were competitive. They got up to number two in the country. I mean, that division was like, and then Baylor was terrible, of course. But in A and M, was it? You know, yeah, it was good. Yeah. They were what you know. They're much better in their heads than they were. But, right. you know what I mean? They're, but they're, they're a always, brand. They're yeah. Always, yeah, yeah, they're always a, a And that division though. was amazing. And then ESPN had a contract with SEC, so they kind of – that and what Sean said about that, that little scheduling. And we all – anybody who knows anything about football knows what that is. That's yeah. just to pump up to pump up all the SEC schools, and it works. Right. So yeah. – but those combined is what made – the SEC, what it is? Yeah, yeah, it's a legend. That's I, like I said. I just I'll acknowledge that Alabama and Georgia are clearly elite teams that are better than just. I mean, the proof. I mean, they're playing the national title yeah. better than everybody else. But the rest of the SEC, I just think that they're they're just like any other team from any other right. conference. That you know, it's probably pretty equal. Well, and the problem to get up for this game is that these two teams just played a month ago in the right. SEC championship, and Alabama whipped them. Yeah. And so Georgia's got something to prove. But uh, I'm taking Alabama again. I think they're going to beat them again. It's hard not to take Alabama. I mean, really, uh, I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Alabama as well because you can sit there and go, yeah, well, Georgia, they're going to, you know, it's tough to beat a team twice, and it's you know, go through all of those things. But man, it's still Alabama, and I I just I just don't see Georgia winning that game. So I got Alabama as well. Bull dogs, of wow. course. Sean's okay. always got to be always got to be different. Well, Sean's going to be sad when when you're you're not correct in that. But hey, uh, I was correct with the Red Raiders winning. I'm going to be correct with with Georgia winning. And will you get to the standings of the Rocking Productions? Well, I was going to do that, but looks like we're all out of time, <laughs> Sean. I'm sorry. All out of time there, but uh, boy, I really wanted to you know, to uh, acknowledge the winner. But uh, we're unfortunately we're gonna have to move on here. No, uh, Sean, congratulations! You made a nice uh, couple last couple of weeks run to come back. I, I led so long this year, I was so excited, but yet I just couldn't get it done. Sean, once again, comes back to win the uh, the Alpha Dog Cup. So he's over there giggling, boy. Look at him. Sean is one of the most gracious winners yeah, yeah. That, that I know. Next, he never, next to Pete Christian. He never puffs up. He's, he's not pompous. <laughs> and again, we're the only two winners. <laughs> you know what? Hey, you know what? It's been settled. Sean won the picks. Who won the rock and roll? That would be Jerry this, Johnson by they one They say game. you won, but I didn't see any proof of it. By one, and so, you know, whatever. whatever. One by 20? Whatever. Well, just somebody saying, won, somebody lost. You don't believe it. it? I don't. Come on, Pete. Come on, man. <laughs> well, the, the, the ultimate thing is it's like some of us have more uh, depth uh, to our life to where we don't hang all you of our You sound like an SEC school, SEC school that lost yeah. the bowl there. <laughs> you just don't care about it. It didn't really, it didn't really matter. That's good. That's good stuff. Um, but uh, I was busy living a happy life. But congratulations, Sean. I'm glad you found something that you know brings you a reason to uh, get out of bed each day. So, you know. 
Man, um, you're kind of in your feels right now, Jeff. I was <laughs> leading almost the whole year. Yeah, you were. Man. I thought you had it. I thought it was your year. Oh, well. No, congratulations, Sean. You do a good job on that. You really do. You you, you spend time. Making, <laughs> but you do. You research. You do a lot of work on that, and it pays off, and you win. So My only problem with, with our system is when we do the, the, the games, and we stopped doing it as much because I, I kept complaining. Uh, but these games that, like, nobody watches, you know, like, what it'll be, yeah. I don't know. I got regional and top 25 this year. Yeah. Yes. After, and after all my complaining. Yeah. And you still finished last. <laughs> you didn't help me much. 14 <laughs> games back. Touche. Touche. <laughs> all right. Uh, when we come back here, it's time for some uh, rockin', uh, rockin' research or rockin' interview or something rockin'. Something rockin' we're doing it's here rockin next. rockin' research. <laughs> but it's uh, our friend Brian Haney, who's the play-by-play voice for Kansas, former uh, voice of uh, the Red Raiders, so a lot of Red Raider fans know that. But he'll be joining us to break down tomorrow's Jayhawks versus Red Raiders game when we come back here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame, live from Buffalo Wild Wings on 101.1. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Cotton Court Hotel, E-Equipment, and Weston Water Well Drilling and Pump Service. Rockin' Research. All right, we're joined by the play-by-play voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, our friend Brian Haney. Welcome back to the Rockin' Pregame, Brian. Hey, Jeff, great to be on with all you guys. Always fun to talk with my friends back in Lubbock. It's really excited to be there later tonight and tomorrow for the big game with Tech and Kansas. So always fun to catch up with you guys. Well, all right, let's get to it here, Brian. As the Big 12 Conference schedule has just started, it's only the second game of the 18-round fight for both of these teams. What has the non-conference schedule shown you about the Jayhawks? Well, you know, we uh, ended up, playing a non-con slate not quite as good as what we thought it would be we didn't get to face Alabama a top 10 team down in Orlando because both Kansas and Alabama lost prior to the title game of that ESPN events tournament and then our game at Colorado a true road game at Buffalo's got canceled due to COVID program uh, COVID issues within the Buffalo's program and so it's been not quite the typical Bill Self slate But they did win at St. John's, which was impressive. They beat Michigan State in the Champions Classic. You always get a a blue-blooded matchup in that one. And then they did a nice job scrambling to schedule Nevada and George Mason after COVID issues derailed their game with TCU and their game at Harvard. So we've gotten in the number of games we're supposed to get in, but the non-conference, you know, usually we probably have more top 50 RPI or net ranking wins than we have this year. But I think what we've learned about this Kansas team is that they're very talented on the wings, arguably the best pair of wings we've seen at Kansas in quite some time. Christian Brown and Ochai Abaji became the first Jayhawks to average 20 points per game in one month since Paul Pierce and Rafe LaFrance way back in 1997. So that's some pretty rare air elite company there. And we've learned that this is the deepest team that Bill Self has ever had in his 19th season. So those have been some of the observations over the first dozen games or so. And obviously it was great to get off to a good start in league play on uh, Tuesday night with that big win down at Stillwater. How has Remy Martin come in and made his presence known for Kansas? Well, you know, it's a completely different situation for Remy at Kansas versus at the Sun Devil at Arizona State. He's not being asked to score in high volume like he was as a Sun Devil. He's just one of, you know, five or six great scorers on the Kansas team. And so there will be a night or two in there where he rises up and scores 
16 to 18 points. But for a guy that averaged 21 and a half per game in Pac-12 play a year ago, at Kansas, he only needs about half that. He just needs to be a good distributor, good facilitator of the offense. And he's bought in. He's had a great attitude in that regard. I think the biggest adjustment for Remy is the defensive um, philosophies and demands that Bill Self puts on his guys at Kansas. You know, we switch on every ball screen. We do some things differently that he's not used to. And there's just a higher level of intensity that's expected and demanded here, which I know Texas Tech fans can relate to based on Mark Adams and Chris Beard type defenses. And so uh, Remy has taken some time to adjust to that, but he's settling in. He's got the right mindset. He's checked his ego and, and any expectations of high volume of shots and points at the door. He just wants to come here and compete for a national championship. And so his attitude has been tremendous. The numbers aren't anywhere near where some might have projected it. And so even though he was the preseason Big 12 player of the year in October, he's not going to be that in, in postseason. But uh, he is going to be a very important piece of Kansas is to realize its potential and possibly win the league and, and go to the Final Four. So he's definitely a very important part, but he's probably fourth or fifth in our pecking order right now of, of complete pieces for Kansas as they get into the teeth of their schedule here in the league. Well, our friend Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joins us on the Rockin' pregame show. Kansas full of great players, as you said, but how does Bill Self balance Braun, McCormick, Martin, and the rest of the playmakers on this team? There are so many, only so many minutes for a shrinking rotation now. Great question, Pete. Good to be on with you. You know, it's a situation in Kansas where this is the deepest team he's ever had, 1 through 14. And we're now in a, a portion of the season where the rotation naturally shrinks. And he played only eight guys on Tuesday night at Stillwater. There's two top 50 freshmen that did not make it on the floor. Uh, there's a transfer from Drake and Joseph Yefepu, who averaged 23 points per game in the last nine games of the season a year ago and was a big Cinderella darling story to the media throughout March Madness. He didn't sniff the floor either. And so... You know, Coach Self has, has had to do it the best he could to keep mouths fed over the first couple of months. But now that we're in league play, you know, that rotation is shrinking, and he's leaning on some of the guys you asked about even more. The good news is those guys are all bought in, understanding that it might not be their night every night to get 10 or 12 shots to go for 15 or 20 points. It might be Ochai's night one night and Christian Brown the next. Maybe Remy steps up. Maybe it's a a game for the bigs like David McCormick or Jalen Wilson to shine. But the point is that they're all very interchangeable and versatile. And Self always references his 2008 national championship team that had six guys go to the NBA the very next year, saying that if we win the ultimate team prize, the pie is big enough for everybody to get a sizable slice. So don't concern yourself with individual accolades or individual statistics. Let's do what it takes to win the ultimate team prize and be as good as we can be collectively, and all that other stuff will shake out. This group genuinely is bought into that. There's not one bit of selfishness on this team at all, and so it's not looked quite like we thought it would since Remy's been you know, a fourth scoring option, and Christian and, and Ochai have kind of taken the center stage, but it's still the type of team where on any given night, Remy could jump up and have a big game, or David McCormick coming off 17-15, and 15, versus uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys on Tuesday. You know, it was a pleasant surprise to see. The previous game, it was Jalen Coleman-Lance, who 
You might recall a year ago at Iowa State, average just under 15 a game. He was the number 10 scorer in the Big 12. He's the number eight guy in our rotation after being the number 10 scorer in the entire conference last year. And so you've got that type of firepower on a really deep team. And thankfully, you know, Jalen's not disappointed that he's not getting the same volume he got up in Ames. He bought in. He wants to win the ultimate prize. And he's ready because his number might get called like the other night versus George Mason when he erupted for 20 points. So that's been the ultimate buy-in and the unselfishness of these guys that's allowed them to be as successful as they have. Hopefully that continues as league play heats up. All right, Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks on the Rockin' pregame today. And, Brian, as you look around the country, the Big 12 seems to be top to bottom, one of the best conferences around. But which Big 12 teams are concerning to you? Well, obviously, we all have to tip our cap to the job that Scott Drew has done. I don't think anybody outside of Waco thought that they could lose all the talent that they lost from their national championship team and climb back to the number one perch as quickly as they did. I mean, it's been a remarkable story. So, too, has been Iowa State's story that, uh, you know, they go from two wins all of last season and, and picked at the bottom of the league to top ten in the nation last week, ranked as high as number eight. I know they were fortunate to catch Texas Tech when they did based on all the personnel challenges that you guys were dealing with on Wednesday. But that's still a heck of a coaching job that Coach Osterberger's done. And excited about what former Jayhawk Tristan and Aruna has meant to that team and how they're really rounding into form. It just makes our league better when you have programs that are you know, perceived to be on, on the back end of things rise up as quickly as they have. Uh, as much as I'm sure Lubbock folks hate to hear that, I think Chris Beard's going to build a perennial contender at, at Texas that competes for Sweet 16s and Elite 8s and Final 4s. And Obviously, they won't be around in the conference for us to have to see much of that, but you know, they're, they're a program that's mixing in a lot of new faces, and it's going to take them a little bit longer to fully gel, but I fully expect them to be one of the top three teams in the Big 12 when it's all said and done. And so there's a lot to like about this league, including right here in Lubbock, and uh, I'm intrigued to see what it's going to look like tomorrow afternoon personnel-wise based on who's available and all that, but I'm a huge, huge Mark Adams fan from my time in Lubbock working with the Red Raiders when he was on staff with Tubby Smith. Big believer in everything he brings to the fold and his defensive expertise that was so crucial in the Final Four run a couple of years back. So I wish those guys nothing but the best. And I genuinely do cheer for them every game at two each and every year. So there's a lot to like about our league right now. I think all the new coaches have done a nice job. And, and nobody talks about West Virginia, but they had a tremendous non-conference. And, and there's other teams like that that are just kind of laying in the weeds to that second tier. They aren't getting much run, but on any given night, they can jump up and bite you, and that's a sign of a really competitive, really good league. Well, with the Big 12 losing Texas and Oklahoma sometime between now and 2025, what do you see as the future of the conference, especially with the new teams coming in, and where does Kansas fit in all that? Well, you know, if we're talking football, um, I'm intrigued about what these new four teams are going to bring in. And, and also, it's going to be a great basketball league if you look at what some of these clubs, you know, will, will bring to the fold on the hardwood, too. But I had a chance to do the Gasparilla Bowl that Central Florida was playing in versus Florida, and they won that game. And obviously, bowl games nowadays, you got so many guys transferring or, or opting out of the game to get ready for the draft. And so it really comes down to who wants to be there more and all that. But I was so impressed with Gus Malzahn's team. And he made the comment on our broadcast afterwards that 
know, he, he expects to compete for a national championship now that Central Florida is joining a major conference like the Big 12. And that was really eye-opening. But I, I think that uh, if you look at their recruiting base down there in Florida, where they're pulling players from, they get a lot of SEC transfers there uh, in that region of the country. And then you look at Houston and Cincinnati and, and BYU, and, and it's easy to get pretty excited pretty fast on just how competitive this league's going to be with a lot of teams you might not consider blue bloods as you know perennial uh, Texas, Oklahoma, history-rich type teams, but a lot of them that are on the cusp of greatness and, and on the cusp of, of being nine-win teams on a, on a yearly basis. So that, to me will make our football conference a lot like our basketball conference where on any given Saturday, anybody can beat anybody. I think you're going to see more parity with, with a lot of teams that uh, they might not be A-plus national championship caliber, but they're A-minus, B-plus caliber in that nine-win range that you know will really make for a good competitive league each and every week in football. In terms of how KU fits in, Excited to see what Lance Leipold continues to build with football. Obviously, you know, Kansas will still be the class of the conference in basketball, you would expect, so long as Bill Self is here. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think Jayhawks have a, a bright future under Travis Goff, our new athletic director. And, honestly, the synergy within our athletic department is as good as it's ever been since I've been around with Goff in place at the top, Leipold at football, and obviously the Hall of Famer in basketball with Bill Self. So we're, we're feeling very good and, and on solid ground about the Big 12's future and KU's place with it. Well, uh, Brian, let's get your thoughts a year into Leipold's tenure and the pigskin positive signs you've seen for the football team. Well, I know all my buddies in Lubbock uh, love watching the Jayhawks knock off Texas 57-56 uh-huh. in overtime on the two-point conversion, and we had so much fun calling that one it was an absolute blast and uh, i got a lot of messages from friends around the league a lot of which they're in lubbock so i appreciate everybody reaching out after that one that clearly was the high water mark of our season but they also were very competitive down the stretch in, in the remaining games as well uh, nearly winning the very next week at tcu which you know you go all the way back 13 years prior to find their last Big 12 road win prior to winning at Texas. And then they almost won the very next week on the road to the Big 12. So it just goes to show you how that gap is narrowing a little bit. And he is the most well-organized, well-structured, you know, he's got his, his act together coach we've had since Mark Mangino. And we've tried everything at Kansas from the, the up-and-coming assistant with charisma like David Beatty to the you know, former NFL offensive coordinator, former Notre Dame head coach Charlie Weiss. Turner Gill. I mean, we, we tried every type of, of old, young coordinator, assistant, you know, all, all types of different options. And the bottom line is, I think they've got the most prepared and most appropriately fit for this job head coach they could have. He gets hired at age 57. He sees Kansas as a destination job. He was the winningest coach, you know, in terms of the uh, fastest to 100 wins in college football history. Uh, with seven national championships at the Division three level right out the gate in his career. Then he backs it up with uh, you know, tremendous bowl appearances with you know 30 wins in a four-year span at Buffalo, back-to-back-to-back bowl games, and, and finished that 
job with that program on an absolute upswing. And then he comes to Kansas, and keep in mind, Lance Leipold had no spring football. The day he was hired was the day of our spring game and the end of spring practices. And so it took a little while for them to get caught up to the rest of the league just in terms of repetitions with these coaches boots on the ground working with these players but by mid-season when they they got things a little bit more installed and and in place you started to see the tide turn with Kansas so hopefully that spills over into the spring and it's a much more competitive team in the fall but this is as good as we felt about a coaching hire at Kansas in quite some time I didn't reference Les Miles that's the other one we tried you know a guy in the twilight of his career he, he was recruiting well and he was hiring good assistants but he never felt like it was going to be a long-term fit. With Leipold, you get that feeling. And so we're really excited about what the future could bring for Kansas with Lance Leipold on the sideline. All right, uh, going back to basketball for a moment, Brian, what are your keys to tomorrow's game with Kansas and Texas Tech? Well, I think for Kansas, you know, not knowing at the time of, of this conversation exactly what the personnel is going to look like at Texas Tech, the Jayhawks need to come out and play their game with, you know, excellence, Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown uh, attacking offensively with you know tremendous shooting on the outside, but they shoot on the outside just enough to put it on the floor and, and take it to the rim. That's been the big difference with Ochai and Christian this season. They're scoring at all three levels, attacking the basket, mid-range, and outside. You want to see those guys get off to a better start than uh, you know what we've seen collectively the last couple of games. And then if they can be as good on the boards as they were in Stillwater, where Jalen Wilson went for 15 rebounds and David McCormick went for 15 rebounds, then I really like the Jayhawks' chances because they're getting better defensively with each and every game. The scoring options are so plentiful that if one or two guys have a cold game, you've got somebody else you can sub in. But the key is making sure the opposition is one and out with, with their uh, trips down the floor. One shot and, and get that defensive rebound and start the break coming back the other way. We got in some trouble on Tuesday night when they were giving up offensive rebounds to Oklahoma State and about 13 second chance points, which allowed the Jayhawks lead to diminish now to zero uh, at the end of the first half in the midst of a really cold spell for Kansas shooting. They need to sustain uh, some of these fast starts, not fall into the funk that we saw versus Oklahoma State, hit the glass, and I think they'll have a great chance to emerge victorious. But there's a ton of respect on that Kansas bench for Mark Adams and his team, and they know that they'll be defended as tough as, as any program they're going to face this year. So how they can handle that and have excellent ball movement, make the extra pass to get the open shot and mix Amidst that stifling Texas Tech defense, that's going to prove to be the tail of the tape, I think, in this one for KU. Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Safe travels, and we'll see you tomorrow at the USA. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate all you guys for having me on. Always a pleasure. and Can't wait to see those familiar faces tomorrow afternoon. All right. That's right. Tomorrow afternoon, Kansas and Texas Tech at the USA. and uh, 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Yeah. Jarrett, uh, what, uh, what what channel is that game on? Do you know what channel it is? ESPN2. Thank you, yes. That was evil. I, I was taking that. my headphones off to mac these wings they provided. They generously provided. <laughs> Jeff called me out there. No, that's funny. I just I just know it's your favorite question every week is, hey, what channel is the game on? Yeah. So I just, I just don't want to disappoint. But, uh, but no, uh, it, these uh, amazing wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. We're at the 19th of Milwaukee location today, and uh, this year we'll be uh, making the rounds to each of the locations each Friday, but uh, starting it off today. Today in the new year here at 19th of Milwaukee. So uh, come by here, grab lunch, hang out. Got man, about a million TVs in here. With uh, there's games on. There's 
beer. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm eyeing the taps. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I got a good view of them. But, uh, yeah, the, the wings are always amazing. and uh, Meaty, le- lemon pepper, the blue cheese is kicking. And you, I was going to say, so are you going to drink the cheese? rest, whatever you have left over, like you said? Like you could drink blue cheese? If you, you did that, it? if you did that, I'd take a video of it. No. I'd video you. I Boy, if that's, that's not, not going to make it, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this is drinkable. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't ready. Well, you went for it. Please don't do that on the air. That's not a good sound. I have never just, seen my presence. Just don't tell me it's mold and I'll be okay. I've oh, never heard. It's I've, never, I've never actually seen anybody. Attempt to drink drink blue, blue cheese, cheese dressing. That is, it's, it's frothy. Must be a Yankee uh, thing. I don't know. I guess so. It's not. It's I, I like, like some blue cheese. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. I just don't know if I want it's frothy. Drink Slurp it. it. <laughs> but you know. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for that uh, exhibition. Get him a straw. There you go. That Here's was, a straw. Uh, that was that was certainly incredible. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving along now. Um, coming up next, Pete will uh, attempt to drink another dressing, and uh, maybe some ranch. Man, if they had a blue cheese milkshake, I would be all over oh, it. Gosh. Blue cheese milkshake. Uh, all right, all right. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. There's something really What's wrong with People you. People have asked that for many years. I mean, we're, we're good friends. I'm not going to lie, but I don't know, man. What's wrong with you? Oh, my gosh. All right, coming up next, it's time to talk some uh, Red Raider basketball. Big game tomorrow against Kansas and uh, the Red Raiders. Uh, coming off a just a, a valiant effort in Ames. Talk a little bit about that. And then, uh, you know, trying to decide who's healthy, who's going to be playing. And also maybe uh, give some grades out to Mark Adams, uh, his time so far Ooh. as the head coach. See what you guys think. That's coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beer. Sponsored by Meineke, Zocco, and Bud Life. All right, so uh, Red Raiders coming off a just a you know a valiant effort. I mean, it really was against uh, Iowa State and Ames, and I hate moral victories and stuff. And Texas Tech basketball, I think, is beyond moral victories. But man, to go up there to one of the hardest places to play in the conference there at Hilton, I mean, that is a tough place to play always. Yeah. And to go in there with seven guys, and you're missing Shannon. And you're missing McCuller and Bacho. You know, yeah, Bacho. I mean, it was uh, that, that's that's a tough that that's a that's a tough situation. And for Tech to take the lead there at the end, they got up like 42 to 40. Yeah. And you thought, oh man, but, I mean, really, that was that was an incredible performance by the seven guys that were able yeah. to play. What what is the rule? Because you know we didn't get the Oklahoma State game. Does that mean they were less than five players? What is the rule? Because six, six. Okay. Yeah. So I, Honestly, I would have taken a couple guys and put them in a room with the guy with well, COVID and knocked it down this five so you didn't have four, so you didn't have to play. There's a big debate on Inside the Red Raiders on Wednesday. Like, so, like, if it's Duke or Kansas, they're not playing that game. Right. You know what I mean? Just You see the way they, they've operated. Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, there was like a, from what I'm told, I don't know this for a fact, that's what I've been told, is that there was like a friendly discussion, like, hey, we're pretty low on players. Can we postpone the game? But by the time... It got to the game, to tip-off time, what would have been tip-off time, they would have had 10 guys available. So oh, wow. that's just kind of how it shook out. I mean, all this yeah. is, uh, you know, new, you know, still, even though it's been here a couple of years. seems like it's been here forever. But in terms of operating, you know, and, and traveling and all the logistics involved. But should Texas Tech, knowing they only had seven guys, some of it because of injuries, some of it because of COVID safety protocols, 
should they have postponed it or something, you know? And I think that's a philosophical question, and it's based on the culture of your athletic program. Texas Tech is not one to make excuses. They just right. aren't. It's, I mean, for better or worse, I think some fans would like them to be a little more shrewd in that regard, you know, yeah. in, in, in terms of if you think Tech had a full team. Like if, let's say, Shannon or McCullough had played, there's a, or Bacho, there's a good chance Tech would have won that game. Right. So – you can make an argument on both sides, I feel like, both positive and negative. Listen, I like, I think just being the part of the world we live in yeah. where people don't make a lot of excuses. You go that's out right. there, you get up, you that's do right. your job every day, and you work. Yep. And that's, you know, that's uh, somewhat unique, I think. <laughs> Today, when you look around yeah. the rest of our country, I think people around West Texas, that's just kind of the underlying way we operate, you know. And so I'm all about it, man. Take seven guys, take the best seven you got left, yep. and you go up there and you and do compete. battle. And, and yeah, compete. and you compete. Yeah. And if you lose, then you know what? You, you tried, you worked as hard as you could, and chips fall where they may. And Pete, you know, you know Coach Adams better than any of us here. I mean, would that be kind of his uh, M.O. or the way his style? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to get out there and play. Next yeah. guy up. But, you know, I wish he went the other way <laughs> yeah. and ripped his shirt off like Antonio Brown and said, peace, I'm out of here. We're not playing this game because our guys are sick. And that would have yeah. made national. No, but I'm kidding. I mean. You want Coach Adams to take his shirt off? <laughs> Is that what I just heard? That's, 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 I mean, that's literally what you just said. I mean, no, I, that's fine. I just, I just want to make sure that's Pete, what you said. I, I got to tell you that uh, just about every guy here at Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> as soon as you said that, everybody turned, that slow turn of like. Everybody, did, period. Did, did I, guy, did, girl, whatever. Did, did, did I just hear that? Oh it must God. have been the blue cheese. Over here, guzzling, <laughs> slurping blue cheese through a straw, wanting Coach Adams to take his shirt off. Like, oh, I'm, I, next time I see Coach Adams, I'll be like, hey, you hear a beat? He wants to guzzle blue cheese okay, with I'm going to pretend, pretend that that was just a, a metaphor for uh, for something else. You know, and, uh, <laughs> a metaphor for Antonio and, Brown. Yeah, yeah so, uh, okay, so uh, we don't really know exactly who's healthy for tomorrow's game yet, really, either. We don't know. There's, It doesn't appear Shannon's going to play. No, and I was at the, the news conference with Adams uh, right before they left for Iowa State. And, of course, they didn't know. Uh, they found out on the plane they were only going to have seven players. Oh. So he uh, had said in that news conference that they expect Shannon. He's getting better and better. They expect him back for the Baylor game next week. So I would say he's not playing tomorrow. But, man, you you got to have all hands on deck if you can play. Yeah. You do not want to start 0-2 and then go play number one Baylor. And, yeah, the more home games you drop, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's it's, so, it's such a grind in the Big 12. You almost have to win at you home do. every game to have a, a real shot at, you know, winning the conference or something. But, uh, now, I mean, McCuller has been in that boot, and so not a guarantee he's, he's really too much. back. All, yeah. I mean, yeah, McCuller's is. great. I'm a huge fan, but he's he's unavailable a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, he is. Yeah, that uh, and then uh, the the guys who were, you know, kept out for the quote protocols. Yeah. Uh, you know, are those guys are they available now? I, I I don't know. Has that been has it been five days or whatever the ever changing rules and protocols are now? Yeah, they're not going to officially announce anything until tomorrow. Yeah. and then I mean, so I'm just saying, even if we knew something, we wouldn't be doing tech any favors if we said, oh. Bacho's going to be back or not, because that changes things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As, especially on defense as a rim protector, but also on offense. So I hope he's back, but I, you know, I've forgotten all the rules and how they've changed with COVID. Basically, well, they, over they, the last change, they change about every two days, it right. seems like. You know, there's yeah, a, I think they should adapt, though. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just I don't, know, I don't, I don't, I don't remember well, what the recent, most recent rules are. I think they, uh, I, I feel like they, they adapt 
to cover their butts. <laughs> well, who doesn't? Because, well, I know, but it's like, you know, get vaccinated. Then it's like, well, that doesn't really matter. So you're unvaccinated, vaccinated, you're getting it, you've had it, you get it again, you might get it. I mean, there's no rhyme yeah. or reason to any of this, and that's why it's so hard to follow. What are the protocols? That's what true. are the rules? Because it's a moving target every single day. And, uh, you know, you see, you know, there's some people think we had to shut sports down again overall, you know. And I just, I just think you just got to keep... You just got to keep living life, you know, and try to deal with stuff. And, and, and I really on, go but. back and forth. I think the most honest answer for me is on this is what you're saying, but also trying to be safe. I mean, as I say this, my brother and his whole household has COVID. So, you know, um, I understand that the majority of people don't get significantly sick. But, yeah, you know, for my, my brother has extenuating health circumstances, too. So, you know, I mean... Like I said, so it's good I, for him to stay home. And, right, and, exactly. Yeah. And so it's not. I I think when we when I say adapt, like you need to be specific to the people. You know, like you have to have rules in place where that can help. Uh, you know, specific people that have those problems. But how do you do that in sports? How do you do that and, and keep a level playing field? Like that. That's yeah. that's. I don't think. Yes, some people are covering their butts. There's always legal involved. We're talking about big business. But on the other hand. How do you keep the playing field level with all this going on? And it's almost impossible with the way COVID is. You know? Well, and, and it is weird, too. I mean, every day, you know, you look and say, this game was canceled. This right. game was canceled. This, you never know when a game's going to happen. You get excited about going to a game, maybe, and then it gets canceled. You just you just don't know it. But it's, it's a and crazy look at our ho- Look at everyone's holidays. I, I, I bet if we polled everybody here, that we asked them, like, how were your holidays affected by COVID? I bet everybody had at least one thing that changed their holidays due to COVID. You know, right, like one right. family member is like, no, I'm not going to go, or somebody want to wear masks, or somebody did. You know what I mean? Like, everybody I've talked to had it affected by COVID in some manner. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Well, it continues to have an impact on, uh, you know, on college sports and pro sports yep. for sure, but uh, real quick here before we wrap up our segment about basketball here, uh, Mark Adams, you know, first, uh, you know, I mean, it's like half a season so far, not a lot to go on, but as of right now, is at the beginning of the, the new year, what grade would you give Mark Adams? Is his time as, as oh. head coach of Texas Tech on a limited, you know, very limited. I can't give uh, him up in the A. I got to say in the B's because the offense hasn't improved. You look at a guy like Kevin O'Banner, and I, you know, we're all Mark, huge Mark Adams fans here. But just being honest, I'd probably say a B because they they did win that Tennessee game, and that was huge. But Providence, I mean, I'm not giving you an A with losing to Providence. Providence is a good team, top 25 team, but. I mean, that's what we're talking Minimal about. This, so we're talking about this program right now is being, you know, upper level uh, in terms of in the country. And then, you know, obviously Gonzaga, you were shorthanded. I thought they did okay. But when do you stop making excuses? You know, when do you just start yeah. calling like this is the record and this is what it is? Uh, you did you did open Big 12 play with the loss, though. They were shorthanded. So I think the offense not showing really any improvement from what we saw from the Beard era. Mm-hmm. O'Banner coming here and be going from one of the best players in the country in the tournament last year to, I mean, I don't remember the last time he made a, th- a, a three-pointer, you know? I mean, he was a, a marksman uh, before in the tournament. He put up a 30-20 and 20 game against Ohio State, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's still playing hard. I think he pulled down 10 rebounds uh, up there at Iowa State, and they needed him to. But the offense hasn't improved. Guys that were proven offensive players elsewhere have come here and regressed big time. And I, To me, it's a B. Yeah. All right, Pete, what, what would you give? 
Yeah, uh, I was also going to say B, too. I mean, you know, you, you, you should have beat Providence. Yeah. And you had your chances, and you, you could have beat Iowa State. But now, you know, with COVID and stuff and guys hurt, I mean, they could start 0-3 now. But, uh, you know, I think – and then, we, you know, we talked in the earlier segment about all these guys. I mean, he might have an incredible recruiting class. Yeah. So Mark Adams is working. There's nothing negative about him. But, you know, you just – you know, like he would, would say, we, we, next guy on, on deck, let's go. I mean, you just got to work through all this crud, uh, crunk – all this fiddlesticks <laughs> oh, that we're doing right now, and uh, and and do what you can do. So uh, I, you know, I give him a B too. I mean, I, I'm impressed with Mark Adams. I think he's doing a great job. But you know, you also got to somehow pull out some of these wins. I do want to say though, on a positive note, and I, I, this shouldn't come as a surprise, but Tech has kept its identity as a tough yeah. defensive team. Right. And we all know that Mark Adams was like basically the defensive coordinator of of the program before this year, but still. The fact that he's an he's able to bring in almost a whole new team, minus you know, a handful of guys, and keep that identity, I think that's the biggest plus in yeah. the margin for him right now. All right, well, Texas Tech, Kansas tomorrow, three o'clock, ESPN two. But try to try to be at the <laughs> ESPN game. ESPN two, yes. Yeah, but try to be at the game. Heck, man, that's a, this should be a, a an amazing crowd tomorrow. Yeah. You would think on a Saturday with Kansas coming to town. Yep. So hopefully the the place is rocking and the. The, the swag surfing is uh, <laughs> right. plentiful. Uh, it should be uh, a pretty exciting atmosphere. And I was just going to say, uh, we get to talk to Mark Adams today at 2, so I'll have more on who might be available or whatever tonight on the news at 6 because we'll nice. definitely ask him what's up with all these guys. All right, we come back here. Uh, it's, man, it's been a great week for the Lady Raiders, and uh, Pete will get you uh, up to date on that, including uh, more from that big win against uh, against Texas this week. And we got to dive in a little bit on this incident that happened with Coach Gerlich at the scoring table, and then the Texas coach gets involved in something crazy. But if you didn't hear about it, well, we'll get to the bottom of all of that. Uh, coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter, rocking pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings at 19th in Milwaukee on 101.1. The this is the Red Raider Outfitter rocking pregame on 101.1. The beer. Sponsored by Fortenberry Roofing, Wiley Implements, and Hub City Body Shop. Lady Raider Basketball. Well, Happy New Year. What a deal for the Lady Raiders. Krista Gerlich and her bunch uh, going down to Austin. Hadn't won there since 2013. Wow. Texas is, is 10-1. and one, or Maybe they were 9-1. and one. Number nine in the country. Tech hadn't beaten a top ten team since 2011. And we're wow. 2022 now, so that's 11 years ago. And they go down there and they jump on one in the first quarter. And you're thinking, well, they did that against Georgia. They did that against Mississippi. And they lost those games. And then the lead dwindles to four at the half. And then in the third quarter, uh, they stretch it up some more. And then before you know it, in the fourth quarter, they're up 18. And you're like, wow, what is going on here? And uh, the Lady Raiders pull off a 74 6 61 win. All the girls get together. They start jumping around. They're not looking at any Texas players. They <clears> drop those horns down because you can't do it to a player. So uh, they were all throwing the horns down. Huge win. They go in the locker room, and, uh, you know, I thought I was at uh, Hurricane Harbor. If you look at it, the water was just flying around, and uh, it was just awesome. Uh, for a signature win for Krista Gerlich and the team. And then you step back and you realize – all players were on deck for this one. All these other games, Vivian Gray was out, this person's out. 
huge win for the Lady Raiders, 74-61. So uh, they almost beat Oklahoma in the first game. They lost 97-91. So here they are now 1-1 one one overall in the Big 12, and, and they got Oklahoma State coming in tomorrow night, kind of a doubleheader. So after the Tech men's game, they play at 7.30 against Oklahoma State, and you really hope after doing something like that, they can get this win and go 2-1 and one in the Big 12. Is this a potential tournament team? Man, you know, they came in 8-5. and five. You know, they, they lost three games to SEC teams, and so, but, you know, they didn't have Vivian Gray. Vivian Gray only played her fifth game the other night. Wow. So if you can get... You know, and the the team uh, had to cancel the Incarnate Word game because they had COVID issues. So again, if this can this team all be in like they were for Texas, I, I'd probably say no, just because you're dealing with all these things. Right. So you know, but you saw a lot of girls get some confidence. Of course, Vivian Gray led the way with 23. Uh, Brianne Scott at 21. She was phenomenal. Uh, Taylor Thomas had uh, had 12. So just a huge win for the Lady Raiders, and it just shows you when. Everybody is all on board, and, and nobody's injured, and nobody's got COVID or out with health and safety protocols. I mean, this is a really good team. And so, uh, you know, they almost beat Georgia at home. They, they go out to Florida, and they almost, you know, they hung with Mississippi, and then they played LSU and, and Mulkey. And so, uh, again, and, and, and Gray didn't play in those games. So just a big, big win uh, against Texas. And, uh, you know, again, the, to beat them for the first time in nine years and first win over a, a top ten team in 11 years, that can only help this program. And uh, just the celebration was just so pure and uh and awesome and uh, man I'm, I'm just so happy for those girls I mean all of them have been stepping up this year and just to, to have them all uh, battling and, and overcoming adversity and Krista Gerlich was just so proud of them uh, just a big big win no doubt about it Jeff all right so I, I had to step out there for a minute and take a call but to, so I didn't know did you get to the thing about this I haven't yet, thing? okay so. Yeah, so I didn't want to come in here and no. sit back down and go, hey, so let's talk about that. And you go, yeah, we just yeah. did. Yeah, so, but you no. know, some people wanted to know, you know, at, at, at they started the second half, there was a lot of yelling at the at the scorer's table. And, and what happened was, uh, apparently, you've got to give your roster to the officials for the second half. And so Tech was going to start some different players, and they said, hey, we, we turned it in. And the officials said, no, you didn't. So you've got to go turned in for the first half. And they didn't want to do that, but that was fine. But then as Gerlich's talking to the officials, uh, the Texas coach comes in, and they just start yelling at each other. And uh, there were some technicals. And so after the game, uh, first we'll tell you the Texas coach, his side was, and I'll quote him here, he says, uh, I think you need to be careful when you approach my table. So now it's his scorer's table. He <laughs> run, owns Texas University. It's his. Okay, fine. There seemed to be an issue that they didn't put their starters in, which I could give two you-know-whats about that. When you're down there raising your voice at them people working my table, you're going to back down and get away from that. You're not coming after my people. This ain't like a Cracker Jack box group. They know what in the hell is going on. Or maybe I should say H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> if you person didn't do their job, then wear it. If not, a, a technical. So just get in and let's go. But if you ain't gonna, you're not going to sit there and jump all over my people at the table. I don't give a beep who you are. That's what's, what that, the, what's that guy's problem? My I, gosh, dude, I, chill out. Did he really sound like a late 80s rapper when he was saying <laughs> right. that? Because that's what you were doing, like Grandmaster Flash or something? Oh, like I don't know. 
I, don't but, know. I mean, what, man, that guy, man, you talk about getting over something that seemingly like doesn't seem like that big of a deal, I guess. But when well, then, when you hear Krista Gerlich, and here's Gerlich's response to what happened. You know, it actually was an ABC conversation, and Vic should have just seen his way out there, to be quite honest, because it had nothing to do with him. And, um, you know, he got in, he inserted himself in something that he shouldn't have even been involved in. We had we were taking care of it. We were getting our kids back on the court, but they said we need to go to court. Um, and then he wanted to come make something of it, and I wasn't going to have, have that. You know, we, we talked to our kids about standing up and, and fighting for, for one another, and um, you know, it really was as simple as that, and I was a little irritated that he decided to say some things in the, in the press conference about it because it should have just been left out on the court. But it had nothing to do with him, and there was no bad treatment to his table either. Um, it was just a matter of um, them telling us what we were doing. The referee would have clearly told me if I was being rude or mistreating someone, and, and that wasn't even the case. I didn't say one word to them about that. So, um, sour grapes. No, yeah, yeah, no kidding. The ultimate thing is you go and you just uh, you beat Texas handily on their court when they're ranked number nine in the nation. And, uh, yeah, guys, it's typical Texas, though. Well, it was you his know? table. She didn't Well, know yeah, his table. But yeah. I will say, in, in the, the coach's defense, outside of that issue, he uh, had egg on his face. He said, I've never got beat like this. Kudos to Texas Tech. They, they played so well. We were shocked. Uh, our kids aren't tough. I've got to work huh. with these girls. These two here are tough, but... Our team is not tough. We're immature. I mean, he was ripping his team up there, and, and he was embarrassed. So he gave a lot of credit to Texas Tech. So I do want to mention that because I did watch the press conference. They were shocked that they got beat. I know they didn't think they were going to lose to Texas well, Tech. Hats a off big to win him, for though. the Lady Raiders. Hats off to him for having that table on lockdown, though, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was nothing getting by him on that table. That's uh, that's impressive coaching right there. All right. Well, uh, only one more order of business to get to here when we return. Three questions. Of course, no hedging. It is the full court press, and that is next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame from Buffalo Wild Wings on 19th and Milwaukee on 101. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame on 101.1 The Beard, sponsored by Mitch Hall Chevrolet, Chrome, and Hook and Reel. All right, uh, one more uh, item of business here before we wrap up the rock and pregame for today. But just want to say thank you to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings here at 19th and Milwaukee for uh, for having us out here. We'll be at another Buffalo Wild Wings location next Friday. But uh, the wings are amazing and a great place to hang out today. Uh, come, come join by. us next Friday. Yeah, right. We're going to be at a different Buffalo Wild Wings every every single Friday uh, this year. So looking forward to that. But again, thanks to the 19th and Milwaukee location for uh, having us out today and taking care of us here. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Full Court Press. Three questions, no hedging. Time to get your opinions on the record. It's the Full Court Press. Jeff, what year will the Lady Raiders be invited back to a postseason tournament? Well, what year is this? 2022. I think they. I think they're going to figure out a way to get to the the NIT this year. Nice. That should be a positive step. Pete, who is the player that will lead the Red Raiders in scoring versus Kansas? Man, uh, huh, not, good luck I with mean, that. If Kevin McCuller plays, I'll go with him. But I, I'm going to go with Davion Warren. I assume it's it's the same seven, and hopefully they get at least another guy in there too. But man, you you got to win. You got to hit your free throws too. Yeah. Jared, Texas Tech will finish in what place in the 24-7 rankings for the 2023 recruiting class? So not this one right now, but the next one. Yeah. Well, they're top ten right now. Well, last I saw, they're top five, but uh, it's been a couple of days. Uh, I'll say 
Top 25. And that, my friends, is your full court press. <laughs> All right. Always got to get that buzzer in there. All right. Well, that is it. Thanks for uh, thanks for checking out today. Remember, you can get the uh, Rockin' 25 uh, the the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll at 101thebeard.com. Plus, uh, we uh, usually put out some of the rewind. highlights. Yeah, the Rock and Rewind highlights from the show. If you missed anything, and uh, we'll have that for you as well. Uh, so you can always find that at 101thebeard.com as well. This has been the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame, live from Buffalo Wild Wings at 19th in Milwaukee on 101.